As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Leave Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James, usually when uh, like TV shows do like a season premiere, it's like really exciting. Like when SNL starts their season, they get like a big guest. We do not have that today, but we have a lot to talk about. How are you doing? It's been a while. Yeah, here's your intro. This is a... <laughs> the show's going to suck. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> is that what you're saying? No, no. We're calling this one Shaking Out the Cobwebs because we haven't talked to each other in well, we've talked to each other. We haven't talked to each other while recording in seven weeks, so uh, uh, I, I barely remember what this show is called or what it's about. So, what we do on here is we uh, break down a team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. We get into really deep, nerdy stuff. Uh, we talk about stats. We talk about players, line combinations, strategy. Well, um, we can't talk this, about any of that. There's this thing called the salary cap. We can't talk about any strategy or anything because nothing's happened yet. So, well, there's no stats. There's no stats. Well, no, but like, we do have a lot to look forward to and a lot to uh, look ahead to. And so I think we should start today before we get into the results of the fan survey, which if you haven't seen it, go to theathletic.com Um and find it and look at it. It's really interesting. And obviously go to athletic.com slash leaf report. If you haven't signed up, we're going to have tons of stuff coming and obviously it's a big season for the Leafs. So if you're listening to this podcast, give it a shot. Um, I think the biggest training line, training line, training camp storyline is, is Austin Matthews and his wrist. Um, we've heard him, you know, speak a little bit in the last week. He, he talked to the athletic among other places how, what's your concern level? The fact that that this is obviously delayed a bit more than you would like. I'm not concerned. I mean, it, the Leafs aren't concerned. Austin Matthews isn't concerned. I mean, maybe he he might miss a couple of games, but I, I think I think he'll be all right. I mean, I, it's probably good that he got the procedure done right instead of waiting and then you get into like training camp or the season and then you have this and then you miss a couple of months. I was thinking though, Jonas. Um, Training camp's going to open on the 22nd, which is, is that a week from today? A week from yesterday. Today's, mm-hmm. today's Thursday. A week from today. So, Sheldon Keefe's going to have to start putting together line combinations and everything without Austin Matthews. And you I, betcha, yeah. And I was trying to think like, okay, so uh, who goes where? And without him, the, they just don't, you know, the line combinations are not that impressive, basically. And... <clears throat> it's sort of the same thing they ran into when Tavares went down in the playoffs, but it, like on another level, because Austin Matthews is their best player and probably the second best player in the NHL. And uh, 
So if they have to play the first, I, I guess the good news is that the start of their schedule this season is pretty soft. There's not a lot, there's not a lot of world beater teams in there. So if he misses the first few games, they should be okay. I guess I don't know. What do you think? I so I actually think um, on that last point, I think it's probably not the worst thing um, because it'll give them a chance to to play around with some different combinations. Like I remember talking to you, and and you felt even last year at points that they were a little too stuck in with with Matthews and Marner. And obviously it worked great, but they didn't play around as much as we'd seen them in the past. And obviously I'm talking about Sheldon Keefe. But I want to go back to the first point. I'm a little more skeptical than you are. Like, I need to see this be okay. Like, I can't just... I'm, I'm sorry. Like, at this point, I can't just assume that everything is okay. The surgery would imply that they've fixed this issue. But the fact that this lingered all of last year, it obviously came back again in the offseason to the point that they needed surgery, and now he's going to miss the start of camp. And like, this is, uh, you, you kind of need to see it be okay for it to be okay. Obviously, if he misses a few games at the start of the season, and he's fine. That's great. Like, that's the ideal scenario. But that that really needs to be the case. Like, they can't have this be a thing like it was last year is is what I'm thinking. I can't think of another player where a wrist was like became a chronic thing and it 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 can it it continued to hold a player out. I if I recall correctly, I think Chris Pronger towards the end of his career ran into a bunch of wrist problems. It's just like this in this particular with this person, like that matters a great deal. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is that if the surgery presumably just fixed what the problem was and the reason it was recurring is because they were trying not to have the surgery and sometimes when you try and rehab it as the, your your only way of fixing things it, it becomes chronic and um you know people listening can correct me if i'm wrong but i just can't think of another like goal score in the nhl where like or like i don't know can you think of other guys in in other sports jonas it's just like like the mechanics of the wrist i think are relatively simple and we don't know a lot about the procedure that he he underwent so and I, I I haven't really talked to any doctors or anything like that about what happened, but uh, I like you know what I mean. Like it's not like a back injury or something where it's like like what Jack Eichel's going through. That right. my guess is that this is going to be behind him, and that would be the best case scenario. Obviously, he's their best player. Um, yeah, I, I think that's 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 fair. Um, is there a, another training camp storyline that that really intrigues you? Is there a player you're very curious to see? Anything else um, of a special interest to you? I think, as with every year, I think all the new players, and specifically, I think all the new forwards are the thing that a lot of us are going to be looking out for. I, I you know, I want to see what the line combinations are like, I guess <laughs> at first we're not really going to know because Matthews isn't going to be there. Like, I, I guess they just use Kerfoot as like a placeholder for, for Matthews. Yeah. They don't really, uh, or you just play Tavares. I would think you'd play Tavares there. Like, I think you probably have to assume like he's not going to play the first game. And if he plays the first game, great. Like I, I, that's what I would do. I'm not, who knows what Sheldon Keefe will do, but I would assume that he's not playing and prepare that way. Well, I get, which I don't think is the worst thing. Like maybe you play Matthew or Tavares with Marner or whatever, and it works, and and you kind of leave that. You know what I mean? Well, and Kerfoot and Elander played pretty well together in in the playoffs, and so yeah. Jonas, I don't know if you can hear him. I got my window open, and it's really loud outside. It is crickets that are just like at the top of their going as loud as they can. Can you hear that? No, I gotta close the windows. We can insert a cricket noise. <laughs> They're great producer they're just, Jeff Tomat can get on that. They're just getting ready for when I have a bad pun or a bad joke. Yeah, I'm gonna close my window. Hold on, this would be awesome okay. podcast unless Jeff cuts this out, which he probably will. Wow, this is gold. I didn't know crickets, and this is probably an ignorant fact, but I thought crickets mostly did their business at night. But yeah, you know, I think I misspoke. I think they're grasshoppers, but it sounds like crickets. Uh, it sounds it's like loud, loud, loud chirping. So we moved we moved last year in in the fall, and uh, this is our first year we've been here for like August and September. And uh, you know, when you move to a new neighborhood and a new house, and you you got to go through the whole year to know what all the different seasons are like. So we got we were attacked by squirrels. A squirrel built a big nest. We have wow. we have this little balcony. Uh, 
near the master bedroom and a squirrel took it over and like had babies there and like built this huge when we were away built this huge like Taj Mahal squirrel nest and um so that happened and then good for the squirrel and then now yeah not good for me unless you want to come clean it up I don't really want to deal with it um now the uh, is it, does anyone listening to the show know a service you can call that's like 1-800 get rid of squirrel houses because I need that service. Uh, and now the crickets are just like, it's fine. Or the, or the grasshoppers, I'm sorry. There's the, like, there's, like, there must be millions of them. And the, the other thing that's happening is that there's a fox running around the neighborhood. And wow. everyone's worried about the. And, and I saw a video of it. And it's like, it's actually like a, I thought I was expecting it to be like a little runty fox or something. It's like a, it's like a big orange fox. So... Yeah, I, I don't think you really need to worry about foxes. Well, they're worried, like they're, little, they're worried with the kids, right? So, you know, it's been running around the schools and stuff like that. And this neighborhood's I, I didn't move that far away from where we were. I don't want to say exactly where I live. But, um, you know, I live. I, we live pretty close to downtown. Like probably only like a 10, 15 minute drive from downtown Toronto. But this neighborhood, we get rabbits on the street. We get skunks. We get obviously tons of raccoons. It's like it's a very natural. Did you guys move into like the forest or something? Well, we're pretty close to like they're <laughs> like some of the big ravine systems that are in Toronto. So I didn't realize that we would get so much so much wildlife around here. Sorry. All right. That's, well, that's my. Uh, I, I diverged there for some reason. Okay, I'm going to give you three choices because I want to talk a little bit more about camp because camp is next week and people are looking forward to it, including us. Uh, okay, so you can choose from the power play, an extension for Morgan Riley, or who's going to play in the top six alongside those guys we talked about before. Uh, let's do the forwards because I sort of mentioned that I was like interested in in that. So let's uh, let's let's keep some continuity in this show and and put it, okay. put it back on the rails. Well, I think it's very likely that. Nick Ritchie obviously will have one spot. I would expect that to be, I mean, again, like if Matthews isn't there to start, which he won't be, maybe with Marner, I don't know. And I think bunting is probably the natural choice for the other one. Like, I I don't really know. I know you've, you know, you had in your mailbag, Andre Kasha. I don't, I don't see that right away, but maybe, uh, like bunting's the guy I'm really intrigued with. Like, I don't know why... I think like just watching some of his games last year, I kind of became a fan, but like he's the one who I think will become a fan favorite. That's my bet. I wonder why so many people are picking Richie to be the guy. Like, is that just like, he was just like a relatively high draft pick. He's physical. To be the guy for what? To play. Oh, like to play a lot with, of people yeah. are asking, like I saw that some of the media questions to Matthews and Marner are like, Oh, you're going to play with Nick Richie. Like, I don't know. I, it seems like some of the other fans and media have kind of... And I asked the question, and I know we're going to get to the survey. It's a good question. I asked the yeah. question in the survey, uh, which off-season edition did you like the most? And Nick Ritchie won the, the voting with 28% wow. with twenty eight percent of the vote, which I, I wasn't expecting. Um, you know what I think it is, James? And we'll get to that a bit later. I think it's name recognition. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say, yeah. I think that's all it is because like I, I would, I be surprised on the first day of camp or on the first game of the season. If, if bunting is playing with Matthews and Marner, no, because I actually, I actually think he'll be a better fit in on either of those lines actually than Richie. I just think there's, there's, I don't know. There's a, there's a reason granted like bunting's played 26 NHL games, but there's a reason like bunting or, or, or Nick Richie actually, hasn't really hit you know what i mean like for a guy who's picked in the top 10 like he's just kind of yeah he takes bad penalties I'm not as sold. he's not a great skater i guess you know yeah. when there were injuries and stuff boston played him with some of their better players and, he, and that's when he but didn't he produce a lot of that on the power play if i remember correctly was yeah he, five of his 15 goals were on the power right play. so when he was playing with the bruins good players on the power play he was productive but well, and you watch those those goals, and it's just like it's just just bang, banging power, stuff in exactly. Yeah. yeah, their power play is just ridiculous. Um, but you know, it seems he doesn't like people are talking about um, him being like the Hyman replacement. Like he's not really anything no. like Zach Hyman at, at all. Well, like, the guy who's actually more like Zach Hyman is Bunting. Right. Not exactly. He's not like he's not as big. 
He's not like the same kind of four checker, but the way he scores is very Hyman-esque. Like it's, it's similar. Now, granted, again, he has not done it in the NHL. So he has to prove that. But if anything, like he's more that kind of, like he's an, he's, he's, he's actually a bit more of an agitator than Hyman was. Like he's more intriguing to me than Nick Ritchie by a lot. Do you think? I kind of know Rick Ritchie at this point, but I mean. Rick Nitchie? Nick Ritchie. Richie <laughs> Nick. Richie Rich. Did you ever see that movie? Maybe when he has a bad game, I'll call him Rick Nitchie. That's good. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm, I'm being stupid. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, uh, so, About Richie? Like, what would, I don't know. It feels weird to put bunting on a Matthews Marner line to start the season. Why? <laughs> because, like you said, he's only played like twenty some games. But like, is is I don't know. Like, is Nick Ritchie like really setting the world no, on fire? No, I, I, I ex- again. Oh, I know what I, I was going to say. Nick Ritchie to be there, but I like would I be shocked? No. no I know what I was going to say. Do you think that with the Mikheyev thing, with the trade request, do you think that um, they try and appease him a little bit and give him a top six role? That's a good question. Um, I think they might. I think that you might see him like get another chance with one of the the top lines for at least a little bit. I guess the 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 rationale for that is if you don't do that and you've already got a guy who's a little unhappy with his role and now you sign these two guys, one of whom has barely played in the NHL and like you immediately put them above him, you you might be inflaming the situation. So maybe the the problem is like and this is where like his his apparent um, unhappiness doesn't really make sense. He just didn't produce. They gave him opportunity to play with Tavares and it didn't work. Like he doesn't seem to have the, I think the creativity, the the instincts offensively to really play in a top six role. Now, maybe that can develop, but like he didn't exactly earn an opportunity to play higher in the lineup. Like, I don't know who he was supposed to play ahead of. Like you could say Alex Galchenyuk, but like, he can't make some of the plays that Galchenyuk can. Not like not even close. You know what I mean? And Galchenyuk's gonna be making plays to nobody as he's um, <laughs> he's gonna be making plays in his apartment at home with a plastic puck. Are you surprised by the way that no one signed him? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I thought a team My understanding is he was originally holding out for a better contract, which was I think gonna in the long run prove prove foolish. He he should have come back and played a year for the Leafs and at, at a lower salary. I, I think the Mikheyev thing, like they must have said something to him in his camp to like reassure him. I think like I wonder if they said to him like you're gonna get more opportunities, you're gonna still play big minutes. And the tough thing is is that the Leafs are kind of coming into camp thinking they're gonna have this defense first line centered by David Kampf, right? Mm-hmm. The number one winger who I think would be a great choice to play on that line with David Kampf would be Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah. And maybe that's what you say to him. Like, we, this line's going to be really important for us. Yeah, but the, we need you to be a big part of you it. You know what it is, though, Jonas, though, that, that Mikheyev was, he signed that two-year deal to take him to UFA because he was thinking that that UFA was going to be going to be a big payday for him. And uh, if if he's just on that checking line and he doesn't produce offense, it's not going to be a big payday for him. He's he's not going to make more than much more than what he's making now. So I I don't think that, that we've heard the last of this. I don't think that uh, it wouldn't shock me if if I don't know. I just don't know if he's going to be happy playing on like a defense first line the whole season. And I, I wonder if the Leafs try and accommodate that at some point. Can they afford to accommodate that? Well, I mean, so he's going to be UFA. He's presumably not going to want to come back because he's not happy with his role. Um, we're going to talk about Riley, but, you know, there's a lot of – there's criticism of the Leafs of walking guys to UFA. Maybe you're like, let's trade Mikhail for a guy that we're going to have for longer than this season. Let me just ask you this before we move on. How many goals do you think he scores this year, Mikhail? I don't know. What did he have last year? Seven in, in 50 games or something? I don't have it in front of me. I'm still sh- this, this is the shaking out the cobwebs episode. I think he had seven goals. Yeah, he had seven and fifty-four. There, that was pretty good. And then he had zero in seven playoff games. So he had seven goals in sixty-one playoff games. Um, you know, I think he could be a guy that gets like fifteen goals. 
Maybe a little, maybe. maybe a little bit less than that. It's it depends what role they use him in, though, Jonas. Like if he's if he's playing with Kampf and getting like seventy percent defensive zone starts and getting a lot of minutes. But you know what the pro- you know what the problem with that, James, is. So if you're not playing him there, who are you playing with, Kampf? I know. Well, that's a that's and so the role like, that it, like, and he's good at that. Like you know, like the playoffs. You know, he's taking a lot. McKay taking a lot of heat for not producing offense. He was really good defensively. I got to be honest, like McKay if you're expecting McKayev to score, like, to win you a series, like, I guess he can get you one goal in a seven-game series. It's a shame anyway. because the first, like, that first half season, he he, he looked great. I mean, I remember, I remember I did that big feature on him after, like, the first two months or whatever, and, like, there was, like, all the soup man stuff around him, and there was a lot of, like, excitement that he was going to be a top six forward and, and produce offense. It's kind of dumb, and this feels like a hockey thing, that that some shitty team hasn't just signed Galchenyuk, play the crap out of him, and then trade him for a pick at the deadline. Like, it's it's such an easy thing to do. Like, if you are if you suck, he'll yeah. get a bunch of points. Some team's going to be like, yeah, he could help us. We'll, get a, we'll trade him for a pick. Like, I don't, I don't know anyway. for sure, but I, I don't think he's been willing to sign for like 800 grand or whatever, right, so far. Well, then so. that's foolish. He's, I don't, yeah. You can't, you can't have a half, not even a half good season. Like it was like a half of a half season and, and think that like, well, that's going to earn mean, you some big contract. Like, he was in the AHL. Yeah. He only played 26 games. Like. Yeah. That's a bit for, much. For the Leafs. All right. Morgan Riley extension. We did a, a, a story, I, I believe in the spring about the three options, which were trade him, extend him. Or play it out. And I always, I think I, I wrote uh, that I always thought play it out seemed likelier than not. I wasn't really buying the trade thing. And now the trade thing is not happening. Um, do you think the extension thing will happen? So when we wrote that story, do you, do you know the date? Do you know when we wrote that? No, but if you keep talking, I can find it. I think it was, it was off season. It was like June, I want to say. It was like before... So we wrote that. I looked at all the comparables for all the similar. Def- June twenty eighth. Yeah. So that was like a month before free agency opened. Exactly. Um, I pulled all of the comparables, all the defensemen that had signed UFA contracts in the last five years that were similar. You know, age, performance to Morgan Riley. You know, Tori Krug was one of the ones that stood out to me. And basically, I concluded looking at his peer group that Morgan Riley was on the open market was worth about 7.2 million on a long-term deal as a UFA. Yeah, 7. That seemed right. 7.2 by seven or eight years. Uh, the problem is, is that after we did that research and we published that story, you know what happened. Uh, Shit hit the fan, James. <laughs> it's, it started raining money on defense. How did that saying come to be, by the way? Shit hit the fan? Yeah, like what well, does anyway? Just keep going. Just imagine if what would happen <laughs> if shit hit the fan and you were in that room. Yeah, you'd be covered in turd. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Norm Macdonald bit. Yeah. Norm Macdonald bit. R.I.P. Yeah. Okay, continue. Yeah, I've been watching lots of his, watching lots of his stand-up. It's been it's excellent. Um, where was I? Shit hit the fan. Yeah. So, you know, like all of a sudden Wierenski and, and Nurse and these defensemen who I think you could, some could argue that Riley is as good or better than started getting. Net- Pareko. Start- yeah. Well, Pareko's deal was more reasonable, right? Like Pareko's number yeah, was. Yeah, it was actually very reasonable. So like that contract, if that's what Riley wanted, that's fine. But there were a, a bunch of contracts that were nine plus million for really long term. Like look at the deal yeah. that like Seth Jones got and. It's a monster. Hamilton got a monster contract, and e- nine mil. Even if you argue that that Riley is lesser than those defensemen, all of those contracts still would push that average number that I'm talking about, the comparable number, probably from seven point two, probably to like about seven point seven, and that's probably what he's worth on the open market. I think he's worth like a high seven on a long term deal. And in our reader survey, we asked the question: Should the Leafs re-sign Morgan Riley? For $7 million on a seven or an eight year deal. And 56% of Leafs fans said no, they don't want to sign that contract. Well, he, I mean, he's, I don't think he's going to sign for that much. Like when we wrote our story, Jonas, we were thinking like maybe he'll take a discount and come in around six and a half or like somewhere in the sixes. It's just like that's not going to happen. It's almost like a, 
it's a little bit like a Zach Hyman situation where you wait and you don't get the extension done and the asking price goes up and goes up and then all of a sudden there's nothing left for you to talk about because the asking price is, is out of reach. But let me ask you this. If, if the situation all along was the only way he's going to be able to stay is if he takes a discount, isn't it the same? Like, obviously, maybe that number changes a little bit, but doesn't it boil down to the same thing? If, if he wants to stay here, no, he's just going to... No, it's the same no? with Hyman because like Hyman a year earlier, his version of a discount looked different than it did after he put up another big season. Like, it, it just did. And Riley, right. before all these defense... Like, so that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, a discount for Riley, you could argue, would be like, 6.6 or 6.7 before, like two months, what, what's June? Three months ago? Mm-hmm. Now, what's a discount? 7.3? 7.4? Now a discount is, is much higher than what it was before. So I don't know how they get an extension done. I'd be surprised if it if it happens. Like he's he's looking at, you know, that, that crazy contract that Phaneuf got. He's looking at, like, that's like the bare minimum I could see him signing for is $7 million a year. Let me ask you that poll or the the survey question. Would you would you do that? Oh man, I don't think I would. I kind of lean yes, to be honest. I just don't. Wow, so we differ. Okay, I don't know that I have enough faith in like an aging Brody and Muzzin and Hall. Yeah, and Sandine. They they don't. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch Sandine for this the first half of the season. I mean, maybe he'll look like a top four defenseman. I don't know. And then, like, so if the answer is you're going to replace Riley in free agency, like, look how dumb the prices were in free agency for defensemen. Like, there were there were terrible defensemen signing for three and four million dollars a year. Terrible. Yeah. Which reinforced the decision with uh, with all Justin Hall at expansion. Um, I, I just, he'll be 28 when that contract starts. He's had injuries. Like, you know, he's, there's some question whether his like mobility is lesser than it has been in the past. I just think the risk is too high. Like I, not in terms of like, in terms of him being worth anywhere near that, that contract, especially like the power play stuff is, I don't know how real the power play stuff is. Like, I don't know. How much of that was on him? How much of that is like the way that they went about things last well, year? Well, they need a shooting threat. They need another shooting threat on the power yeah, he's play. He's not a shooting threat. But that's that's not necessarily his fault. It's it's the combination of having multiple players that aren't shooting threats. Like if you have Thornton and Marner and Riley, then it then then you're yeah right. Then you're a little bit predictable. It, it's just like if if that that element's a little uncertain defensively, like you, you don't really trust him like he's probably your he's he's not probably he's like your fourth option in terms of that kind of thing he doesn't kill penalties like and now i'm gonna sign him for seven years and he's gonna be 30 soon like ah like it's it's but and yet like he's so important to like the fabric of the team like and and some of the stuff he does well which we don't focus on enough i don't think is is hard to find like it's it's hard to find guys like that and he's performed well in the playoffs like so anyway, that's a conversation for a different day. Let's take a break, James, and let's dive into some of the results of the survey, which we just previewed. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. You did the survey. 
Is there a question that you want to start with? I have it in front of me. So if not, I can pick. Um, I think this one was good. What is your biggest remaining concern with the Leafs roster? And there was an overwhelming choice for this one that was a little bit surprising. So Goaltending? No. No. Wow. The four options I gave were goaltending, defense. I thought you had read this survey. I did, but like I didn't memorize the results. You got to read it more than once. I'm not like the Rain Man. I can't see it and then just remember. What a great movie, by the way. Goaltending, defense, forwards, or overall depth. And overwhelmingly, Leafs fans chose overall depth. Okay, you know what? I'm glad you brought this up. I don't even think this is a hot take. I do not think they're... I think they're about the same up front as they were last year. Now, obviously, the one big... Yeah, but people were worried is, about, are more worried about the depth of, of what they had last year than... Like, I think that that series, it, it really created some new concerns in the fan base for about That's about interesting. Depth. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I'm working on a column, and that's like the top of my piece is going to be about how like the perception of the forward depth is different. Well, I guess if you if you if you look at it in terms of like playoffs, and you you ask the question which we asked before the playoffs last year: Does this team have enough offensively to win? And if you didn't think so before, you you probably don't think so now. But you're. This whole thing is built on the fact that they're assuming, fair assumption, that their top two lines are just going to carry them through. And I don't think that's, I think that's a very reasonable assumption. Yet, you you still would like to have a little bit more possibility of offense from those bottom two lines. So I don't know if those two things can be true at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I think that's if, what... If they get two goals, three goals from the Matthews line, they win the series and like, who knows what happens? I think people look at it like you lose Hyman. Mm-hmm. They look at it this way. It, they didn't seem like they had enough offensive depth when Tavares got hurt in the playoffs last year. Then you mm-hmm. subtract Hyman. Then you add in like four mystery boxes up front. You bring back Wayne Simmons. Yep. Uh, if they need to hit on some of the mystery box guys, like they need some of those guys to be... They need Bunting or Kasha or Richie to be good top six forwards. Yeah, but true, true. Wait, Fine. the other thing too, Jonas, is that the question, the the answer is overall depth. So it's not just forwards; it's defense too. And I think that from, yeah, just from reading fair. social media, it seems like uh, Leafs fans are a bit worried about losing Zach Bogosian on on defense. Yeah, which I think is fair. That's that's fair. But like, I, I don't know that you're. I guess where you're worse off is if you have an injury in your top four, but like that was going to be the case, whether you had Zach Bogosian or not. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that, that that's fair, but like ultimately this team's success or not is going to come down to basically like those four players and goaltending. Like, and I think goaltending is a bigger question than their depth. So that was the second highest response, but overall depth got 62% and goaltending got 16%. Hmm. And forwards got 13.6. The funny thing is that when we did this survey, I think it was like 18 months ago or 20 months. It was like April of 2020, like not even two years ago. The number one answer was defense by far, mm-hmm. I believe. And now yeah, defense, is, defense is down to like 8%. It's last. Well, I mean, one injury and like well, they, they, whoever's going in is not... It's not great option. There's a couple guys banged up, right, in this, the informal skates right now, like Hall left. And, yeah, and I don't Riley's. know how much I read into that stuff. But like, yeah. So what is what's what blue line do you roll out if Hall and Riley are out for game one? That's silly. I'm not going to base this off, off a stupid and Muzz, informal and skates. Gets hurt again, and then. But like James, like what? don't even like forget about being facetious. Like one injury and who goes in? Is it Biega? Is it Dahlstrom? Is it Lilligren? Like none of those are great options at this point. So that's. I wonder That's if they try and like claim a D off waivers or something like that, or is like there's still some guys available in free agency, right? Like isn't isn't like Demers unsigned, and like you could probably still like sign somebody. Yeah, I guess if that person looks around and says like there's not a great option here, I can be the seven in Toronto, one injury, and I'm in. I mean, they've made noise about they want to give Lilgren a chance, so 
maybe they're trying not to block him. I'm just looking up who what free agent D are still left. Yeah, that Kyle, that's something Kyle Dubas has mentioned. But to this point, what we've seen of Timothy Logren, which is not very much. And like, he's still really, really young. I guess he's only 21, I think. Um, I believe he's 22 now. Is he 22 now? Did he just, okay. I think he, in April, maybe. Here, let me check. Okay. Well, the point is, he's a huge question mark. Biega is just like a depth guy. He's like a Marincian in the Marincian role. And like, same thing with Alstrom. So like, anyway, let's move on to a different question. Is that okay? Uh, I was just looking up for Agent D just because I'm, okay. I'm on like a, yeah, Demers is UFA. Eric Gustafson. Uh, Bring him back. Sammy Vatten. There you go. Oh, favorite. Ben Hutton. Ooh. What about this? Yeah, see, he, what about Ben Hunt would make sense as a seven. What about this one, Jonas? Zadano Chara. Yeah. I don't think he's coming to be the seventh in Toronto. Jack Johnson. Uh, Braden. All right, we're Braden moving on. Colburn. <laughs> Nate Prosser. Nice. Matt Barkowski. Aaron Ness. All right. This one I thought was good, James. Lucas and I think Pisa. this is pretty interesting. I'm still going here. No, you're out. What is your confidence level in Coach Sheldon Keefe after 103 games? The most, on a scale of 1 to 10. The most popular answer was 7. Uh, but as you noted, this is down to from where it had been. It's going to be a really interesting year for him. Um, because the, the new coach stuff, which always happens with a new coach, is gone. There's now kind of critical eye, I guess, is, is some way to put it in terms of some of the decisions he's made. He's kind of, like you said, to see this a little warm. It's just he's he's more in the in the focus or spotlight than he was before, for sure. Yep, I agree. One of the stories I wanted to do was, uh, I don't know if the Leafs are going to grant our wish or not, but I wanted to, to talk to Keith one-on-one because I think that he's one of the biggest storylines going into the year. Um. It'll be interesting to hear when he addresses the media or, hey, Leafs, if you're listening, if he talks to me one-on-one. Or if he comes on the Leaf Report, he should come on the Leaf Report. Sure. Um, it'd be interesting to hear him just like kind of reflect on last season and, and what went wrong. And, you know, I think that to some extent he's still learning on the job and maybe some of what he's done in the AHL isn't – isn't. Der- I don't know, maybe – Maybe he needs to continue to adapt and adjust and and grow as a coach. And, you know, one of the things that you get when you hire a coach um, out of the AHL without NHL experience is that there, there's, sometimes there's a learning curve. So yep, maybe there's a process that Sheldon keeps going through here. And I don't know. Anyway, that's, I think, that, you know, that's what I think yeah. about that. It's a. It's going to be a very interesting year to see how he handles like the pressure around the team as well. Like the, this is the the feeling from fans is different, I think, than it has been. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Although you know, the fan survey kind of highlighted that the people that are like angry or that are really pessimistic or whatever, like it's 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 really it's like twenty five percent of the fan base is like that and. I think I think a lot of the other people are just sad, <laughs> and and they're just they're hoping that that the team can get it done. But I don't I don't know. I yeah I, I see they've soured a certain percentage of the fan base, and I think the media is going to be out for blood early on, especially if they don't look very good in like the first month of the season. Um, but this is it's a good roster. It's a good team the talk of the division being so difficult that they missed the playoffs or whatever I think is, is ridiculous. It's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. Like, you know, they're more likely to win the division than they are. Yeah. Miss the playoffs. They're a good team. Like they're a top five or top eight team in the NHL again. Mm -hmm. Maybe better. We'll see. And you know, like the first round, like that's, I don't have questions about this team in the regular season, to be honest. Like, I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, I, I do think to highlight another point, or question from the survey, and we can kind of block it, put it into a block, is that the opinion of management has gone a little worse in time, which you expect without results. It's still pretty high, though, Jonas. Like, it's still pretty high, yeah. though. Like, you look at 
you know, for Kyle Dubas, uh, what is it here? There's only only 50. 22% 7, 22% 8. Only 15% of people gave him a 4 or less out of 10. It's still like the the people that are really, but you know what? There's a lot more like fives and sixes than we've seen in the past. Like there's a lot more like, Mm -hmm. you know, where, and and there's a lot fewer nines and tens. Mm -hmm. Although he's still, he's still got 15% of people give him a nine or a 10. I don't know what you can, what do you think you can really ding him on in the last little bit? Obviously the Felino trade did not work out. That was, (laughs) that did not work out at all. Um, well, I maybe just like, I guess bringing back Frederick Anderson yeah. like that was something we highlighted before the season did not work. Some of the forward depth bets didn't work again. Jimmy VC, Travis Boyd, uh, that's true. Joe Thornton, you know, all the kind but of, that comes back to the big thing, James. And that is like sticking with this. Yeah. But they got a hit on some core. of those guys. Like, you know, like they're spending a little yep. bit more on the Nick Richies and Kasha and Bunting and comp, but they got, they got a hit on some of these guys. Like, you know, Maybe it's too hard just paying guys league minimum to get good players. Maybe the idea of paying them what, what Kasha got one point two five, I think, and yeah, would, it might be too hard. Like it, that's that's and that's like goes back to the big bet that they're making that like you can pay those four guys in this climate that much money and still have a good enough team like that. It just might not work. Like the, it might, it, it just might not as well. Like you, you just might not be deep enough. I don't know. I think it can be like, you just need those guys to be really good. And if they're not really good, that what happened last year is what happens. I think that the, I think this is probably like the right confidence level for a Dubas. Like, I think this is probably about yeah. what he deserves. Like overall, he's probably like what, like a high six or something like that. And, but you're right. I mean, he's, I don't know. The, the team's, gone largely in the right direction in terms of on paper and on the roster they just collapsed at like the most pivotal time and it must be so frustrating to be i know it's frustrating from talking to people who like have everything on the line and have their jobs on the line on nhl teams that like sometimes you know feels like it's out of your hands when 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 the puck drops and you know anything can happen in a playoff series and any team can win yes well and if two of the five um top five scores in the league don't produce in a series like good luck um i want to put these two together um which offseason edition did you like the most which offseason edition did you like the least so as you mentioned already nick ritchie came in number one for the most number two was peter morazic now what i thought was interesting is peter morazic was also the second choice for the offseason edition fans like the least <laughs> yeah. after after david Kahn. Well, he got a lot of votes which for i'm both, surprised right? He got yeah. he got twenty six percent for pe- the, what people like the most, and he got twenty one percent for what people like the least. So it's like half a fan. Like he he could be a really polarizing player, and that contract could be tricky. What what uh, that, what another team said to me about Morazic is they didn't like the term on that on the contract. Yeah. Like they, yeah, I was. I'm sure if you gave Kyle Dubas Tristram, he would not want to do three years. Yeah. But like either you do three years, or you just don't get them. Yeah, right? Like, so I don't know. I think that was, I didn't like it. Like I don't, I think it's too long and I don't totally trust him. But again, like you don't live in a perfect world. Like either you get someone or you, you just end up with nothing. It's like musical chairs. Like you could, you could say to Peter Mrazek, we're not giving you the third year. And he's like, okay, peace. I'll go sign somewhere else. And who do you have? Like, I got, you know what I mean? Like it, it's just an imperfect solution to a difficult Problem. I was thinking last night to imagine if Jack Campbell has a big year, like what his contract will look like, and where you know they're gonna have yep. they're gonna have to hope in that instance that Mrazek plays well enough that you're gonna be able to trade him. Yeah, because suddenly Campbell's contract will be more than Mrazek's. Yeah, you've put like you basically put a bar on if he has a good year, what his contract will be, right? Like it'll be yeah, four and more, probably four or something. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get uh, let's take a break, and then we need to get to the pod bag, the return of the pod bag. All right. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Well, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. James, as always, before we get to the pod bag, a reminder to support your local restaurants. I went to a place not far from you uh, recently. Have you ever been to Square Boy on Danforth? No. Like an old school, like burgers. I really like the souvlaki there. Highly recommend it. Just like an old school joint. Got to pay cash. Danforth and what? It's like, I think it's like Pape and Danforth. And that, is n- ish. that is not my neighborhood, but yes. Well, that's well <laughs> it's your old-ish neighborhood. Yeah. It's not far from you. I've told people where you live. Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, right. I'm east and you're downtown, so. You got it. One, All right, pod bag time. What do you got? <sighs> uh, Ryan Suits asks, am I ready for another year of heartbreak? It's going to be interesting. To, I wonder if like, do you think ratings will be down? Do you think like readership will be no. down for, do you think everyone's, everyone's back in full force? There's, I get a lot of Leafs fans are telling me like, you know what? I'm probably just not going to like care as much for the regular season. I could understand that sentiment. I just think once games are happening, you'll, you just inevitably will track it. I would think, I mean, they're good. They're still going to be a really good team. Like that's the thing. Like now everything that they do is going to come with like, an asterisk in terms of, okay, well, what about the playoffs? But it, it still will be interesting to follow 100%. And I think that will drag people back in. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be down a little bit. I think there are going to be people, the, the more casual fans are going to probably not be as invested in. And 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 people just, fans aren't going to buy the, if, if there's hype. Like if they get out, to, if they start the season 20 and six or whatever, no one's going to be like, oh, you know, this is the best team in the league or whatever. It's just, I, I think it's going to be a little bit, the enthusiasm is going to be a little bit lesser. I, I do think if they went, if they went on a streak like that, I think it would, the narrative would just, I mean, it's Toronto. Like, you know how it goes. Like, it'll, I don't know. I think the media will kind of forget about that and say, this team's great. This is going to be the year. Get on the bandwagon, Betty. Um, Pridham's calculator. Good name. I don't think it's actually Pridham, though. His bio says, not your average Leafs shit poster. Uh, his question is, are you running out of Leafs player puns to use for this upcoming season? No, you got lots now. Bunting is a good one. <laughs> I'm deb- I'm debating not doing it. I'm debating not not doing the puns anymore. What do you think? Well, you know how I feel. <laughs> you feel that there's there. I don't know. It's it's a lot of. Uh, I don't know. It's a eye l- rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Some people like I think mistake it that I'm being serious or something. So uh, Twitter's just so weird that people can misinterpret your. How about this? Just pick your spots. It doesn't need to be all the time. Yeah. Well, like some games, it was just like getting really aggressive. Yes, it was. <laughs> Patty, Patty, Patty McGee asks, Curtis Gabriel isn't actually going to play, right? No. There's, there's nowhere for him to play. But then, so why no, did they I, sign him? Did they sign him to be like the good guy with the, with the Marlies? Yeah, exactly. He, like he's averaged seven minutes a game in his NHL career. He's just like, he's, he's, it seems like a, an interesting dude. But he's like a Marley, a good guy to have around with the Marleys, I would think. He's a good follow on Twitter if you're on there. No puns, but he's got some other good stuff on there. (laughs) 
Uh, no, no puns. I mean, here's like a big picture question. Alex, how um, is this a make or break year for everyone, management, coaches, the core? There's, there's just no way the team's going to be the same if, if, if they falter. So I would say for the core, for sure. I don't know that they necessarily clean the management out if they if they lose. I, I, I have some thoughts on this. I'm going to write about this, so I probably will keep my thoughts to myself a little bit. Yeah, that's one. But here's the only here's the only thing I would say: if they do not win the Stanley Cup this year, I don't think it's break. And so that's why I don't know that the make or break year works. Let me say that. Um, Corey has... Is that a good tease, James? No, I, that was a really tortured sentence you just said, so I don't know if anyone understands what your, your intention was, but I'm going to move on here. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, ha- right. Corey Haslam says, what does Austin Matthews have to do to win the MVP? I mean, if, he's wins, if he wins the goal-scoring race by like 10 or something and the Leafs have a monster season and... Like he did last year? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe the uh, well the problem was that McDavid had an even bigger year right so maybe the answer to that is that he needs to injure Connor McDavid that, that'll be the way that he wins the MVP I think the answer is he needs to win the Rocket and they need to be like the best team in the league and he needs to be within sniffing distance of McDavid like if McDavid has I don't know 115 points or something I f- fuck who knows what he'll have after last year but let's say he has 115 and Matthews has like 103 but has 40 or has like 54 goals or something and the Leafs are the third best team in the league I think he has a chance Dan Wask asks I feel like the Leafs are going to be a better team this year the defense is basically the same goaltending should be improved or the same forward depth is more distributed on different lines do you think they could be better yeah I think it's I think that's possible. possible. I, I think they're similar. I think they're pretty similar. I think they're the same. They're pretty yeah. similar to last year. Like, I don't think that... I would be very surprised if there's a big step back coming here, barring like... It's possible that they're, they're better, though. Like, their power play was a disaster mm-hmm. for the last Anderson was couple bad. months. Anderson was bad. Uh, Tavares wasn't great the first half of the year. Uh, Darwin Dubas asks... Why does no one consider Nick Robertson on the opening night roster? Uh, considering the impact that Cole Caulfield had with the Habs, you got to think Robertson can at least contribute. Well, there, there's no space for him. They've, they've, they signed a whole, they signed like four UFA NHL forwards and they brought Simmons mm-hmm. back. There's the, the perfect role, I think, for Robertson is injury replacement as like the 13th or 14th forward because he's not going to require waivers and you just, he bounces back and forth kind of like, uh, but you're only doing that if you're playing him. Like he's not; they're not going to bring him on trips to no, do no, the no, extra. no, no, no. I mean, like he's the 13th or 14th forward when someone's hurt that you put in the lineup. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You got to remember. Like I, I, I understand the excitement with him. He's barely played. Like he's barely played in the AHL. Well, people just and see the he prospect. Just turned 20. People see the prospect camp, and he he's the best player by far, and he lights it up and. He should be. That's like yeah, yeah. But that's why there's the anyway. excitement around him and whatever. I I think that you know if he if it. he plays 25 NHL games this year and plays a lot with the Marlies, I think that's that's a a suitable season for him. I don't. There's no point. You don't have to rush him. And you know, there's a lot of developments still that I think they're going to want to work on with Robertson, just in terms of you know his skating and and you know there's some tools that I think he's going to need to be. You rush him. He's going to have to get faster, man. Yeah, like, that's for real. That's the thing that stood out for me watching him live last year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Nakarado. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Which Leafs player do you think has the biggest room for growth? That's a good question. I don't know. Sandine? Is that? Sandine was the first one that came to mind for me. I mean, Kerfoot maybe? I mean, he's not really a young player. Dermot? It would be interesting if Dermot? Kerfoot had a big year. He was really good in the playoffs. Dermot's a good one too. I mean, Dermot really didn't play very much last year. And he's going to have to play more this year. Like all those penalty killing minutes that Bogosian took last year are going to Dermot now. And it's like, that would be, that's the thing with the Riley thing. Like you kind of want to see what happens with those guys. Like you, you kind of want to see how Sandine plays this year and how Dermot plays this year. Like that has to factor into Riley. That's not like, they're not going to replace Riley, but I, I, I don't know. 
Next question. Someone named Riley asks, uh, what do you think? Nice. What do you think of the Leafs' realistic best and worst first round matchups in the Atlantic Division this season? I mean, worst would be Tampa. No, no, yeah. you know. Wouldn't worse be Boston, honestly? No, because I don't think Boston's as good as they've been. I, uh, I do not think so as well. I think oh, they're vulnerable. There's just but like Tampa's I, worse. Tampa won the last two cups. How are they not a worse first round matchup than Boston? I guess it's just like history would be so overwhelming. Yeah, but maybe like I don't know. They got the chance to like slay yeah. the you know the dragons getting old slay and the dragon. I there's no I Chara there and I don't know another Bruins Leafs first round series. Jesus, it'd be awesome. It'd be fantastic. Sign me up. There would be nothing that could make Leaf fans, I think, more anxious than that. You and me are going back to that residence inn and recording uh, <laughs> podcasts at three in the morning when we can't. Yeah. I got, and I'll have a giant rum and coke in my hand and saying a bunch nice. of nonsense. I think we got time for two more, James. Okay. Mike Snow wants to know, where does David Kampf play? Who should his wingers be to maximize his potential? And then he says, welcome back. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I mean, can and I- thank you to everyone for listening, by the way. I wanted to do that off the top and then. I forgot. Yeah, we know our listeners are coming back even, you know, it's <laughs> even if, you know, they're demoralized. It's, you know, we had a break. We're, we're back in the saddle again. Let's go. Uh, Kampf is going to be the third line center. Uh, who should he play with? I mean, I think Mikheyev makes a lot of sense. And uh, maybe maybe you put like Kasha there. Um, we haven't written about this much, but Kampf and Kasha are, are really good friends and they played together in the Czech Republic going back to when they were quite young. So... I think yeah, Mikheyev, Kamp, Kasha makes sense. I like it. And then you see what you see what Kasha does, and if it looks like he's he's at full speed and and can do a little bit more offensively, you give him some opportunities on PP two and and maybe on the, one of the top two lines. I wonder, James, if if you end up playing those third and fourth lines similar ish minutes, like obviously that third line's going to play a bit more. Um, but I I wonder. All right, you got to. Bring a big question to close us out. Yeah, I'm just, there's a lot of like redundancy here. Some of this is like stuff we've talked about. Um, this is a good question. Did you ever watch, James, can I just ask you, did you ever watch the the UK office? No. Well, I've seen a couple of oh. them. I've seen like okay, a couple of, so. I've seen a couple episodes. I've seen more of the Steve Carell one. Okay. So the redundancy joke won't work on you. Okay. Uh, Continue. Ryan Bobier asks, how much of a drop-off on the penalty kill do you foresee? You know, losing Hyman and Bogosian were potentially their best penalty killers. Would it not make sense to scale back Marner's minutes on the penalty kill and save them for the playoffs? I think the wild card is the new assistant coach from Carolina mm-hmm. who had... Who's the penalty kill whisperer? The architect of, like, one of the best penalty kills in the league the last few well, years. Well, I hope he works out better than Manny Malhotra as the power, well, power and, and play you know whisperer. What? Yeah, well, so far. Um one thing that could make a big difference on their penalty kill is Kampf because he can win faceoffs. One of their big like Achilles heel last year they and didn't even have the year before is they didn't have centers. They didn't have guys like who could win a draw outside of Jason Spets on, on the penalty kill. And like you saw it in the Montreal series, Kerfoot kept having to take these draws, and in certain circumstances, he lost and they got scored on. Like he was like I think he was like thirty something percent shorthanded uh, in the faceoff circle. Like that's just brutal and conf was like 50 something percent last year so that's something and like frederick anderson was really bad on the penalty kill last year like at some of the worst numbers in the league even if peter mrazik's just okay like that's gonna help you goaltending james apparently your best penalty killer has to be your goalie apparently oh god apparently don't all right don't make that the subject of one of your articles because i don't think we're going to publish it I'm going to make uh, that the headline. One last one. Loose Bund asks, <clears throat> does Marner need a more dangerous shot to keep opposing teams penalty kill from focusing on Matthews? Somebody does. <laughs> Somebody on, on that. William Neander. Yeah. Like, holy Lorsch. Lorsch isn't a word, but. Time, un, yeah. un, time to unleash. Time to free Willie. Yeah, I don't know that I can handle more of the, the stories about Marner shooting more. Like that, I know. That's, well, we've that's, heard that that's, every single year. That's I can't part of why. It. That's part of why I asked that because it's. I, I was going to make a comment, but I didn't. But it seemed. How many off seasons in a row is that that we we've talked about him? But working on but, a shot. but one of the possibilities is if you play him on a different penalty ki- or power play unit than Matthews, maybe he shoots it more because if you look early in his career. 
Um, he shot it more and he scored more in the power play, but now he's just clearly forcing it to Matthews and he did not score in the power play last year. So that's all I got. We need to, we should, when every time Nylander's not on the top power play, we should say free Willie and we need someone to photo. Free Willie, I love it. We need someone to Photoshop William Nylander jumping over the kid, like from the movie. (laughs) That movie probably came out before he was born. Oh, I'm sure it did. I, that's nine. Well, that's like a 94, I think. I think like, well, when was Willie I born? Think, 96? I think he's like, is he 96? So Free Willie is 93. So oh, for sure. You're yeah. right. You're right. Wow. Man. Unbelievable. He probably doesn't even know the movie. Uh, he, Crazy. He, might. he was born in Calgary. He doesn't know. That movie no made chance. a big impact, man. Like that was, I don't know about you, but in BC, that was a huge movie. Yeah, because that was probably the only movie playing. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. We all right. We had two theaters and not very many. I think we had three screens in the city when I, around that time. We had to. I remember. Like, I remember lining up to see Ninja Turtles Two: Secret of the Ooze. We were lined, love those. Movies. We were lined up all the way down the street. Did you guys get the movies like two years after they no, came out? No, no, <laughs> just kidding. My hometown was like eighty-five thousand. I know. All right, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. Subscriptions are 50% off right now, so it's a good time to give us a shot. James, any parting thoughts? We'll be back next week to talk about actual camp, actual stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, we're back. We're going to be on every week. If there's guests you'd like to see us have, just let us know on Twitter, and uh, we're excited to take the show to the next level. So thanks for listening, and thanks for the support. 